Welcome to Vision Insights, a podcast series produced by Miami Lighthouse for the Blind and Visually Impaired. My name is Cameron Sisser, Senior Vice President for External Relations at Miami Lighthouse and the host for this series. Ride sharing has grown in popularity not only in the United States, but globally, and according to research, is expected to double by 2026. Uber is the leading global rideshare app used, available in 10,000 cities across 70 countries. Today, 137 million monthly active customers use the Uber platform, and 6 million drivers and couriers serve the growing user base on the Uber and Uber Eats apps. On this episode of Vision Insights, we explore the world of ride sharing through the lens of accessibility and equity. We have three incredible guests, all who have a unique viewpoint on making ride sharing more accessible and inclusive to the blind and visually impaired. Brianna Gilmore is a trailblazer in the realm of accessibility and public policy. As the head of public policy, accessibility and marginalized communities at Uber, Brianna has been an instrumental in shaping the policies that drive equitable and inclusive transportation options for all. She's a driving force behind the initiatives that ensure ride sharing is a viable, safe and convenient option for the blind and visually impaired community. Chris Yoon is a passionate advocate for accessibility and transportation. Chris is product manager on Uber's product equity team, where he's dedicated to creating innovative solutions that empower riders and drivers alike, regardless of their abilities. Chris's expertise lies in bridging the gap between technology and accessibility, and we're thrilled to have him on Vision Insights today. Oseas de Leon has been a computer and braille instructor at Miami Lighthouse for over 15 years. He is blind and travels independently using a variety of transportation methods, including ride sharing. Uber has been a great help to Oseas when other methods of transportation do not work, and we're excited to hear from his perspective. In today's episode, we'll drive deep into three guests' experiences, the challenges they faced, and the groundbreaking solutions they're bringing to the table. Thank you all. Let's start with Oseas. Oseas, as an active blind rideshare user, can you share your personal experiences, both good and bad, when using rideshare services? Of course, um, Uber has been a tremendous assistance when it comes to transportation. I am completely blind and uh, therefore I don't drive. So when Uber came into Miami, it was a it became a very, very good alternative. And uh, for example, I do have to travel every other weekend to drop off my son, my 10-year-old son, and he lives about 75 miles away from where I live. And so he lives, lives in a very different county. So Uber has played a major factor for me to uh, be able to bring my son back to his to his house and come back uh, safe and sound to to my house. Before then, it would have been very very difficult to do to, to commute from Dade County to uh, Palm Beach County. So also the fact that um, Uber has so many drivers. I am able to be on time to different places if my first option, which is paratransit, uh, may not be running on time. So I really 
I'm really grateful to to the fact that this technology appeared and also the fact that Uber has an, such an accessible app has it's been significantly uh, better than what I used to use before Uber times. Thanks, Oseas. Ties in perfectly to the next question. Brianna and Chris, what technological advancements or app features has Uber developed to enhance usability specifically for blind passengers? And how do these features contribute to a seamless and safe ride experience? Thanks, Cameron. Uh, and, you know, it's really excited to be here on the podcast with you all. Um, so my name is Chris. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm a product manager on the product equity team. And I think everyone on my team will really appreciate your use of the word usability here um, in place of accessibility, because you know that's really how we think about this work internally as well. Um, one of our core principle is this idea of a magical user experience. And we want to make sure that users you know, of all abilities um, can have access to our platform and our technologies and you know our services. Um, and we believe we've done, um, you know, uh, very interesting work um, as we kind of make sure that, you know, as we build out new features, we're making sure we are thinking about, you know, communities, a uh, variety of different communities, you know, both uh, low vision um, and, and others as well. Some of the more concrete things we've done um, is what we call um, uh, base components, which is uh, basically kind of the building blocks of our apps. Uh, we've gone and made sure all of um, our uh, UI components are screen reader accessible. And um, we also partner with a lot of global um, uh, user research uh, companies to make sure all of the new features that we build are tested for screen reader compatibility before they get launched. We also uh, have a very unique um, feature on our platform called the Safety Toolkit, um, where you know riders have access to this uh, at any point in the trip. And one of the things that we've seen a lot get used is the feature called Share My Ride, where riders can send their current um, ride information to any of their loved ones or um, contacts uh, through the apps. So, you know, folks can keep a track of, you know, where their friends or family members are at all times while they're using the Uber platform. We've also made sure the intercom feature, which is the way that, you know, riders can communicate with drivers uh, before the driver arrives at the pickup location is very accessible. Especially in the um, blind uh, and visually impaired community, we've heard a lot about how drivers or how riders communicate with drivers ahead of time to let them know that they're blind uh, and to ask for assistance when the driver you know, arrives at the pickup location. And that's been a very um, effective way for riders to really communicate with the drivers directly. And of course, we're currently continuing to um, think about new ways that we can leverage um, innovation and new technologies to make the overall user experience better. Uh, and we're really excited to um, kind of continue to get feedback from the community um, as you know we we think about how to uh, improve um, the, the the usability for for everyone, and uh, particularly using um, our mobility and delivery platforms. Thanks, Chris. Oseas, how do you navigate the process of requesting a ride, finding your driver, and ensuring a safe journey without visual cues? And are there any specific strategies you want to share with other blind rideshare users? Sure. So I'm currently using an iOS 17.1 on an iPhone XR. So I open the app with voiceover, the screen reader on the iPhone. Then I I go to the where to and I request a ride. I have to um, uh, type in my uh, destination address 
and also I choose what vehicle I need and what product I need if I want Uber X or if I want XL. And then uh, once I choose the product, then I'm able to request and Uber sends me notifications as how far the driver is, how many minutes it would take him to get to my house and most likely is accurate. Then I get a screen where I can communicate with the driver. I can contact the driver. In that same screen, I also have the benefit of, of uh, learning the color of the car, also the type of vehicle he's driving and the name of the driver. So just in case if I want to ask someone around for a white car or a, a red car, I'll be able to know what to look for. And then um, the fact of the, that, that I can learn the name of the driver will help me when I get in the car to confirm that this is the right driver that's picking me up. And then I call the driver uh, or I can message the driver to let the driver know that I am blind or and that I'm standing on either the sidewalk by my house or by work or if I'm by the corner of a specific building. Um, usually the process is really good. Usually I have no problems with the process. Um, I would say that perhaps about six to eight months ago, I realized that Uber app would not act, would not work uh, properly if I had other apps running. So I feel like the app would freeze and I would have to make sure that had all the apps closed in order for me to get a good uh, experience with, with the Uber app. But um, it seems like they worked on it and it's working back again. And another situation in that process is that sometimes the GPS uh, that Uber drivers use is not always accurate. And it happened a couple of occasions where I was coming home and then my GPS would be telling me that I was uh, not by my house and the driver would say that I was. And then I realized that I was about three blocks away. It happened maybe three or four times. It seems like that issue also got corrected. And, uh, but that's about the process that I use to request a, a ride. Thanks for sharing, Oseas. Yeah, sometimes it can be difficult for a sighted person to find their ride. So going through those steps is important. Thank you. Chris, tell us about the process for those with a guide dog and those without a guide dog. Um, how does ride sharing differ from those who don't have one and what are the challenges? Yeah, so um, I am actually a guide dog user myself. I got my first guide dog uh, from Guide Dogs for the Blind about five, uh, four years ago now. And there are definitely, I think, um, some challenges um, for, you know, uh, folks traveling with um, guide dogs and other service animals in general. Um, usually, you know, you can request the same uh, UberX or any uh, types of product that you uh, would need. Um, you don't have to, you know, you're not, uh, you don't have to request uh, Uber Pet at all when you are traveling uh, with your service animal. And uh, normally, you know, it should go like any other ride um, when you request a driver. Of course, this isn't um, what you know always happens on our platform. We've definitely heard of instances, and I've experienced them myself, where um, some drivers who uh, might not know what service animals are, some drivers who might be afraid of dogs, 
um, would cancel on you um, and drive away, and you know you're left, uh, uh, you know, to be matched with a different driver. So we know there's definitely some challenges uh, for you know riders with service animals um, on the platform. But one of the things that Brianna and I um, uh, got started when we joined the company a little uh, over a year ago was to tackle um, this exact problem. Yeah, and and Oseus is a white cane user, and one of the reasons we're we're bringing uh, this to light on this podcast is Uber is a proud sponsor of our White Cane Day, and we we really want to um, educate uh, drivers that it's just not the white cane that's important; it's also um, guide dogs. So Miami Lighthouse um, has been in discussions with Uber. Um, assisting with driver training and education, including guidance on interacting with blind passengers and accommodating their unique needs. In particular, there's been a lot of media surrounding rideshare drivers not accepting rides from blind individuals traveling with a guide dog companion. Recently, an arbitrator ruled that Uber owed a woman $1.1 million for being denied rides because she was traveling with her guide dog. So how is this being addressed among your drivers and are there ongoing efforts to improve driver awareness in this regard? Thank you, Cameron. So the first thing that Chris and I did is he said this was our top priority when we both started at Uber last year. Um, The first thing that we did was gather as much information as we could about this problem. We knew that this issue had been going on for years. Um, The company had tried to tackle it in in so many ways to implement different solutions to address it, including educating drivers about um, about and how to uphold our policy, um, uh, which is to deactivate any driver who is found through an investigation to have discriminated against a rider with a service animal or any rider with a disability. Um, but Uber knew that because of ongoing feedback from advocates like you, that there were still difficulties. And so um, when we came on, we really wanted to understand all of the details of this issue because Clearly, the solutions that the company had been prioritizing for years weren't getting to every single pain point. So we reached out to and started working with experts in the guide dog and the service animal advocacy community, really to learn more about the specific pain points. We had to go beyond what we already knew and really learn about the nuances of negative experiences. And then we did as much primary research as we could with the data we had. So we engaged riders in conversations to learn about experiences. We met with drivers to learn about what they did and didn't understand about our policy. And then we analyzed the data from every complaint that has ever been submitted related to a denial that had happened to a user who was traveling with a service animal. And so from there, we started to address the main components of the requests coming from the community that we'd validated with the details of data. So we started working simultaneously simultaneously at the informational materials that drivers see that relate to service animals, as well as the experience of support that riders receive when something's gone wrong. So we, first of all, immediately moved the support responsibility for managing these investigations to our critical safety team, which really upheld um, what we were hearing that any ride denial that impacts a person traveling with a service animal is really a serious safety incident and needs to be treated as such. So that team received specialized training and issues facing riders with service animals. And then we created a dedicated phone number by which riders with service animals could contact that team. So this enables us to do a couple things. First of all, more efficient quality assurance about the process. And then it also shortens the triage process for these riders compared to riders submitting um, information about other safety incidents. You can find this phone number in the help node in the app. 
And if you're traveling with a service animal and would like to submit information related to a ride denial, you can call this number now um, or submit the information through the app as you've been able to do for years. So we also worked with agents to be sure that the information that they were using to engage with service animal users is accurate. Because upon review, we realized that all riders were receiving the feedback that a driver had been educated even when that driver had been actually removed from the platform based on a ride denial. This had been causing a lot of confusion for many riders who didn't understand what more they needed to do to hold drivers accountable. And finally, a team of engineers worked to be sure that any ride canceled by a driver prior to ride pickup could be accessed in a rider's trip history. For a long time, the inability to do that has really frustrated the reporting experience. And so while we were addressing these support issues, we also improved the quality of policy information that we sent to our drivers. So we ensured that the information was clear, accessible. We ensured it was being sent to drivers in the appropriate language. We designed new illustrations to demonstrate the variety of service animal types that service that drivers may encounter. Uh, we increased the cadence of information sent to drivers through the onboarding process and then over their tenure as drivers. And we implemented a new policy reminder that appears in the app during the first month. And the initial data that we have about the impact of these policy reminders has been very encouraging so far. That's wonderful. Chris, do you have anything to add? Yeah. So, you know, we know that there are still pain points that we can address um, when it comes to um, riders and service animals. And, you know, we're, um, there's a lot of on, still ongoing work um, in a large cross-functional team internally to address, you know, these ongoing issues. And our colleagues are um, very motivated and passionate um, about making sure that, you know, we reach a stage where um, every person using Uber um, and accompanied by their service animal has a positive experience on our platform. Um, we have several um, other big changes um, that we're currently working on and have been working on for the past year that we will be kind of um, starting to roll out uh, in the coming months that will hopefully uh, make this experience uh, even more seamless for service animal owners. And we want to continue to hear uh, feedbacks from experts uh, and advocates like yourself um, and take every opportunity possible to inform our drivers um, of uh, their responsibilities as well, you know, when it comes to making sure that people of all abilities um, can get a ride on our platform. If you have any, um, I, if your, your listeners have any, you know, uh, ideas, suggestions, feedback um, about kind of uh, your experience uh, using Uber, uh, you can always feel free to um, reach out to us at serviceanimals-group at uber.com. That's serviceanimals-group at uber.com. And um, those feedback will be triaged to uh, Brianna and myself, and, and, and we really appreciate all of the help, uh, you know, uh, from your community as well. Great. It sounds like you guys have a good strategy for a pretty complicated uh, problem. So thank you. At Miami Lighthouse, to switch gears, we help ensure that websites and apps are fully accessible to the blind. Our IT team recently performed an audit on the Uber app and website and found that both were in full ADA compliance. How has your company been working to enhance accessibility for the blind or usability, as you like to say, Chris, for visually impaired passengers? And can you highlight any recent initiatives aimed at improving their experience? Sure. So uh, we've partnered with uh, a few um, uh, external um, uh, companies who specialize particularly in, uh, you know, WCAG and um, accessibility to make sure all of our 
consumer apps. Um, so mobility driver, uh, mobility um, and, and delivery apps are uh, fully accessible. And we're um, working with all of our internal teams to make sure that, you know, everything that we build from now on are accessible um, out of the gate. You know, we know that the, you know, this app, particularly, uh, particularly the Writer app um, is really crucial for a lot of um, you know people who are blind and low vision for their mobility independence, and we really want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to make sure all of our experiences kind of meet that high bar of um, you know being accessible and usable um, out of the box, uh, so that you know you're not um, at any point um, stranded because the the app itself is not accessible to you. Um, we just want to say that I mean, we always know that the basis of our app will require like functional testing and continuous improvement. And so um, we just want to say that we're excited to collaborate with experts in the disability and assistive technology space to really innovate to the greatest degree possible while we still ensure that the foundation of the Uber platform remains usable. Thank you, Chris and Brianna. At Miami Lighthouse, we also understand the importance of our collaborators. Oseus, could you describe any memorable positive interactions with rideshare drivers that made your trip particularly enjoyable or accessible? And how can drivers better assist blind passengers? Something that really I enjoyed was um, learning that um, that Uber hires um, people with disabilities. I remember I was um, requesting for a ride and then uh, I got a notification saying that the person could not take calls um, and then could only interact with the driver through text messages. And the reason was because the driver was hard of hearing. So the fact that two uh, individuals with disabilities are one receiving the service, the other um, working to deliver the services, to me, it meant a lot because it tells me that uh, the company is um, not only providing services, but also believe in, in diversity. Um, and um, that's a, a positive note. And I think perhaps um, one thing is that I, I think uh, drivers need to always be in training to, to continue improving their customer service uh, skills because oftentimes I, I come across with drivers that are not as, as uh, polite. And I do let the application know, I, I let Uber know. But yes, sometimes I, I get to, to have some unpleasant drivers. So I think uh, uh, training should be consistently with, with them, uh, just make them aware, not only that they're gonna have uh, riders who are uh, with disabilities, but also just in general, that customer service are always important. So the experience can be better. That's great. Oseas, do you know your, your Uber star number? It's 4.97. Uh, How about that? Yes. What, what about you guys? What are, what, Brianna, what is yours and Chris? I'm so jealous. Mine is 4.9. And now Oseas, we need to talk offline about how you kept yours so high because it annoys me all of the time that I'm minus a five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think mine is a, a 4.87. So yeah, definitely can take some tips from you. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bad student. I'm, I'm well below all of you. <laughs> anyway, uh, Brianna and Chris, looking ahead, 
what are your company's goals and commitments when it comes to accessibility and inclusivity for all passengers, including those with visual impairments? And how do you envision the future of rideshare services to the blind community? Um, I can take this first. Um, I think something that really excites me about rideshare um, is just the fact, particularly for you know blind uh, and low vision folks like myself, is just the sheer amount of independence um, the the service can provide to our our community. And something that's really exciting um, at Uber is you know like I mentioned before, we're always thinking about the magical user experience and how we can make sure that we can tr- um, make that seamless transition from a digital app to the physical world. Um, one of the really interesting parts about our kind of job is always thinking about how can we make sure that, you know, um, the riders can find the right vehicle, the riders can be safe, um, riders uh, have access to uh, all the rides and know, you know, um, can can have, uh, you know, scheduled rides, riders, uh, and, and et cetera. And so, um, so the thing that we're always looking at is how can we leverage kind of the, the most recent and innovation of technology to kind of improve the, the real life experience. Um, and, you know, we're working on a lot of really cool projects, hopefully, that that you'll see in the coming months where we're really working hard to kind of bridge that um, gap uh, between kind of the digital and the physical world with with our app and our technology. And um, just really excited uh, about how much power we have in our pockets uh, these days with the smartphones that, you know, are able to grant us um, uh, really endless opportunities here to, to really empower um you know, people who are blind um, to get anywhere that they, 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 that they need to um, using using Uber. Yeah, thank you, Chris, for starting that. I had things that I wanted to say, but I think I'm feeling very inspired by Osiris. And now all I can think about is that experience of what it feels like to be a disabled Uber user and to get into the back of a car and to know that your driver shares um, a lived experience in your community and the way that can feel. I think there's um, something really exceptional about that. And that does feel really magical as an in-app user still. Um, that I get to work on um, these issues and that I get to create more opportunities for that kind of environment, um, I think keeps both of us motivated and keeps our our teams motivated. When I talk about accessibility, I always talk about it as three main things. I talk about it as safety, autonomy, and self-efficacy. And those are really complicated factors. There's not just safety. There's not just you being safe on a ride. There's also the perception of safety. Do I feel safe? Even if I've gotten to my destination and everything's gone well, did I have tension in my body? Was I scared about something happening because, um, you know, maybe last time something did go go wrong? And autonomy, not just, you know, can I achieve this by myself, but to the degree of independence that I want? Did I have to rely on somebody unexpectedly? Did I get to choose the degree to which I was independent in this experience? And then self-efficacy. Do I know that every time that I interact with this app, that I have this experience, I'm going to get the same result based on things that I can control? And so, I, you know, Chris and I and our teams, I think we're very fortunate to be really focused on the details about how to create those experiences. And I'm really proud to work alongside Chris and the product equity team and alongside my policy and operations colleagues who think about sustainability and mobility and food access 
autonomy and fairness. And, you know, so many of the people that we get to work with every day are really principled in the priority of inclusive design. Our platform really thrives when we're responding to the needs, values, and the priorities of our users. And as, you know, as a disabled person myself and as a disability advocate for the past 10 years coming into this work, I wouldn't be here if I didn't have the opportunity to work alongside people like that who really understand the phrase nothing about us without us, that it's not just a value statement, it's also an operational statement. And so I think the future of rideshare and its usability for all communities who experience discrimination is based in the statement. We have lots of goals and plans that we've designed with support from experts and our users, you know, as well as the lived experiences of our colleagues dedicated to this work. But ultimately, we need to continue to craft that vision with support from people like you and from ongoing feedback from our community members. So we're excited to design and iterate alongside the people for whom this work matters the most. And that means continuously building trust, transparency, and building what works for our users. Thank you, Brianna. I think we'll give you the final word that was very fitting and eloquent. Thank you for being on the podcast, Chris. Thank you for being on the podcast. And Oseas, thank you for being on Vision Insights. Thank you for having us. It was a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Thank you. You are listening to Vision Insights, a podcast series produced by Miami Lighthouse for the Blind and Visually Impaired. My name is Cameron Sisser. I welcome your questions, comments, and suggestions about this podcast series by contacting me at C-S-I-S-S-E-R at MiamiLighthouse.org. You can also follow us on social media by searching on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter for Miami Lighthouse. Vision Insights is brought to you by LighthouseShop.org. Do you or do you know someone suffering from vision loss? Visit LighthouseShop.org for all your low vision needs, from magnifying glasses to solar shields to talking watches. LighthouseShop.org is there for you.